Amen. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. I do want to remind you in your worship guide where it says today's message, you can follow along, and we encourage you to do that if you can. We are going through a series right now entitled Purpose, Mission, and Vision, Discovering God's Dream for His Church. And we've talked about our mission statement and our tentative mission statement right now until we formalize it is this. It's building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. We will pursue and fulfill our mission by loving God, loving others, serving all, and making disciples. That's the mission statement. Now, we talked about vision. We started talking last week about being an Acts 1-8 church and how an Acts 1-8 church needs to position itself to meet God and what an Acts 1-8 church is. And this is what I believe is a good starting place for God's vision for a church, any church, especially our church. And it's this, to be the most powerful, positive witness for Jesus Christ here in Rosenberg and all around the world. I think every church ought to desire that. Every Christian ought to desire that. And so we're talking about patience today. And God wants us to be Acts 1-8 churches. And God wants us to be an Acts 1-8 church and Acts 1-8 Christians and Acts 1-8 churches and Christians. And I want you to notice the phrasing of this. Must patiently embrace the pace of God must patiently embrace the pace of God because patience is not moving slowly. Patience is not moving slowly. Neither is patience moving quickly. Patience, biblically, is moving at God's speed. It's moving at God's tempo. It's moving with God's rhythm. So as we take a look at this today, we're going to be in Acts 1, 4 through 8, and chapter 2, verse 1. So I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's Word. And if you, have a, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, the passage is in the uh, Today's Message section of your bulletin. Also, there are Bibles that you are welcome to use and take with you if necessary. So let's, let's take a look at this passage. If you notice in your worship guide, there's some highlighted areas. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And then it says at the beginning of chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to think about your speed. Think about your pace. Think about moving at your timing and your rhythm, Lord, because that's what matters most. We have become a very, I think, impatient generation. A lot of times that seeps over into the church. But God, you're doing things in your time. And so, Father, as we think about the desire that we should have, to be the most powerful, positive witness for Jesus Christ we can possibly be. Help us to desire your timing. 
Help us to desire your speed, your pace, not wanting to procrastinate, not wanting to put off nor run ahead of you, but be right where you want us to be, right when you want us to be there. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. So here's a question I, I want to pose before you as we work through this passage today. Do we have the patience to embrace the pace of God today? Do we have the patience to embrace the pace of God today? Let me share with you some examples before we get into the points that you have there listed in your worship guide. Studying about the situation with modern day impatience, and there's an article from the Boston Globe from 2013. Now, this is five years ago, so my belief is it, it's probably even more so now. But a University of Massachusetts professor examined the viewing habits of almost 7 million internet users and asked, how long are you willing to wait for a video to load? How many of you have ever watched and waited on a video to load? Okay. How long are you willing to wait? Out of 100, you keep those 100 people for two seconds. Two seconds. Then when you get to five seconds, 25% of the people are gone. When you get to 10 seconds, half the people are gone. The article goes on to say, the need for instant gratification is not new, but our expectation of instant has become faster, and as a result, our patience is thinner. A professor from the University of Texas did a study in 2011 talking about how well we wait on services on the phone. How many of you have ever gotten on the phone and been put on hold? We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there. Subjects were made to wait for downloads and kept on hold while they waited from a call center. And as predicted, many test subjects were forced to, who were forced to wait abandoned the process. Now, here's a professor from Texas A&M. His name is, and that's wonderful, Texas A&M. Okay, I was almost looking for Donnell over there. I'm sorry. Good to see you, Ms. Barbara. You, you're a Texas A&M who studies decision-making and motivation found evidence of something we already feared. We have become focused on quick fun. How many of you remember Angry Birds? The game, it's a digital game. If you don't, you're not missing anything. It's fun. All right? And games like that, instead of reading books or magazines, we've become focused on quick fun. Trends are leading to a future in which most people are shallow consumers of information. A lot of things are really valuable. Take time. But immediate gratification is the default response. It's difficult to overcome those urges and be patient and wait for things to come over time. I think it's pretty clear that human beings can tend to become very impatient creatures. I can be that way. But would we be any different if the matter was waiting on God... We were waiting on God. If becoming a powerful, positive witness for Jesus Christ in our world took us adopting God's pace, would we be willing to do it? Would we be willing to embrace the pace of God? Do we have the patience to do that? So I want to make five observations, most of which are drawn from this passage, with regard to embracing the pace of God. First, the temptation is to give God a deadline, resist it. The temptation is to give God a deadline, resist it. 
Now, before we resist the urge to give God a deadline, I think we need to admit that we have this temptation. I do. I want God to move, and I want him to move when it's on my schedule. I can think of at least two times in Scripture people got in trouble because they didn't wait on God's deadline. First, there's Abraham. God told Abraham he was going to be the father of many nations, and through his seed, the world would be blessed. And we understand that's Isaac. But Abraham nor his wife could wait. So Sarah turned Abraham over to her personal maid, Hagar. And Abraham and Hagar had a child by the name of Ishmael. But Ishmael wasn't who God was talking about. And it would be 12 years later before we'd see Isaac. Second, there was Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel, and he did a lot of stupid things. But I think the stupidest thing Saul ever did was not waiting on God. The prophet Samuel had told Saul to wait on him before he sacrificed to God, but Saul just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He couldn't wait. And because of that, Saul lost the kingdom. All because they didn't meet God's deadline. All because God didn't meet their deadline. It's a temptation in our lives. We set God on a timer and we expect him to obey. You can't pay for extra day service with God. You can't put God on a timer and you can't put him on a deadline. So, resist the temptation. Second, endure surrounding difficulties because God's promises are worth the wait. Endure surrounding difficulties because God's promises are worth the wait. What are you willing to endure in order to see the promises of God fulfilled in your life? What are you willing to put up with? Jesus told them to go and wait for the promise of the Father. The word here for wait has the sense of expecting, waiting, and waiting. It only occurs here in the New Testament. It occurs one other time in what's called the Greek Old Testament, which is called the Septuagint, when Jacob at the end of the book of Genesis is saying as he's blessing all of his sons, Lord, I anxiously wait on your salvation. It's a sense of expectancy, waiting on something good to happen. Now, life is going to have its difficulties. What we need to realize as we think about God and his promises is that God is worth the wait. He's worth the wait. Romans 8.18, Paul said this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know what he's saying? God is worth the wait. There's a statement from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 12. The writer says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what the writer's saying? He's saying, running the race is worth the wait. It's worth the wait. And you can go back even to Jacob. There's this very interesting story in Jacob's life where he went to his relative Laban's house to get a wife. And Laban promised him if he worked seven years, that he would get Rachel. Now, we know how that turned out. Laban was tricky indeed. But it makes this statement. I want you to hear the statement about Jacob. It says, Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. You know what the deal was? For Jacob, 
Rachel was worth the wait. Y'all with me on that? It's worth the wait. Now, beloved, God is worth the wait. God's promises are worth the wait. You may think that other things are more important, but they're not. God is worth the wait. You may love other things more than God, but nobody loves you more than God does, and God is worth the wait. So endure surrounding difficulties and be willing to wait expectantly on God to show up. He is worth the wait. Third, our timing and God's timing are rarely, if ever, the same. Amen? Listen to this brief interchange from the passage. It says, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons. Simply put, God's timing is not our own. Rarely ever is. And here's some thoughts from Scripture with regard to God's timing. First, there's this wonderful passage from Ecclesiastes 3. It starts off this way. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Ecclesiastes 3.11, the writer goes on to say this. He says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. Now listen to this. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. There's a yearning in the human heart for eternity. But listen to what he says. Except that no one can find out the work that God has done from beginning to end. God's put eternity in your heart. But you're not God. You don't see the big picture, do you? None of us do. Here's another passage. 2 Peter 3.8, it says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is worth a thousand years, and a thousand years is worth a day. The Lord is not slack. And all that means is, is that God, time doesn't work for God like it works for us. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Sometimes God's timing is tied up in his love and compassion toward all human beings. So how do you deal with this God's timing thing? I do not have a magic formula for figuring out when God's going to do what in your life. God keeps that to himself. Thank you very much. But let me share with you some passages. First, you can trust his ways are best. Psalm 18 says this, as for God, his ways are perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust him. Second, we, you've got to realize, and I've got to realize, there is a fullness of time God is working toward. We see this in Acts 2.1 when he says, when the fullness of Pentecost has come. In Galatians 4.4, he said, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And then you got to just flat out embrace patience. Just embrace patience. Lamentations 3.25, one of the most depressing books in all the Bible. It really is. But smack dab in the middle of it, you have the wonderful statement, great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Did you know that? And you also have this passage, Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So, wait on the Lord. Fourth, 
God has every right and the ability to keep his schedule from you. God has every right and ability to keep his schedule from you. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. The word here for authority means God has the right to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and he doesn't have to ask our permission. God is in control of the timing of all things, and if he does not want to deliver until he's good and ready, he does not have to. If he doesn't want to tell you what he's doing, he doesn't have to. There is nothing you can do to speed him up or slow him down or make him talk. Let me say that again. There is nothing you can do to speed him up, slow him down, or make him talk. He's in complete control of the calendar. Many people today like to try to pay to make people do things by their timetable. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Let me go back to the Boston Globe article one more time. The demand for instant results is seeping into every corner of our lives and not just virtually. Retailers are jumping into same-day delivery services. Smartphone apps eliminate the wait for a cab, a date, or a table at a hot restaurant. Movies and TV shows begin streaming in seconds, but experts caution that instant gratification comes at a price. It's making us less patient. Retailers smelling profit in impatience recently began the battle for same-laid delivery supremacy. Some of this is dated, and you probably see it even more today, but here's what the article says. With Walmart and eBay challenging Amazon in the category... In Boston, one city where Amazon same-day delivery is available, shoppers can pay by 11 a.m. They can pay about $10 and half whatever they want that day. Walmart launched Walmart launched Walmart to go last year charging $10 for same-day delivery. Yet here is the truth of the matter. God cannot be bought. God cannot be bought. God cannot be forced. God will do things in his time. And if he chooses to allow you to know what's going on, it is not because you have the right. You have been blessed to know it. And you know what? I honestly believe this. There are times God may even let you have your impatient way just so that you and I will learn it wasn't the best thing to do. But he's under no obligation God has every right and the ability to keep his schedule from you. So just trust him. Stop trying to play God. Fifth, this is neat. God will fulfill his promises when he decides it's the right time. God will fulfill his promises when he decides it's the right time. It is so comforting to know that God will be good to his word. He told them they would receive power and they did. He told them they would receive the promise of the Spirit, and they did. He promised them they would be witnesses, and they were. God's timing is perfect. His ways are true, and he's in complete control. One of the promises of God's word is that the church would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. By the way, that is not a multiple choice list. Y'all hear me? That is a to-do list for the church. But God made it happen in the book of Acts in a very real and tangible way. You start in Acts chapter 2 through Acts chapter 7, and you have these wonderful statements. 
Acts 2 says, those who received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then it says in Acts 4.3 that they laid hands on them and put them into custody. And think about this, the church is growing through persecution. However, many of those who heard the word believed in the number of the men alone came to be 5,000. This is just in Jerusalem. And then in Acts 5, it says, Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done through the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And it goes on to say, The believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And then in Acts 6, it says, And the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And many of the priests were obedient to the faith. You know what God's doing? He's answering prayer. He's fulfilling his word in Jerusalem. Well, what about Judea and Samaria? Well, Acts 8. Acts 8 through 12 gives us the account of that. It says in Acts 8, 1 and 4, it says, At that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Jerusalem? Check. Judea? Check. Samaria? Check. What about the ends of the earth? Well, there's this wonderful last couple of verses in the entire book of Acts. From Acts 13 on to the end is the story of reaching the ends of the earth. And it says this about the apostle Paul. Paul is talking to Jewish believers and he says this, Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. That's us. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So from AD 30 to AD 60, God through power-filled people turned the world. Acts 17, they even accused the church of this. These people are turning the world upside down. Because they embraced the pace of God. So do we have the patience to embrace the pace of God? The temptation is to give God a deadline. Resist it. Endure surrounding difficulties. God's promises are worth it. Our timing and God's timing are rarely, if ever, the same. And God has every right and ability to keep his schedule from you. But I promise you this. God will fulfill his promises when he decides it's the right time. So I leave you with these two last questions, church. Do you want to be a powerful, positive witness for Jesus Christ in Rosenberg and around the world? I cannot give you that desire. Do you want it? Do you want to be the most powerful, positive witness for Jesus Christ in Rosenberg and around the world? And if you do, are you ready to embrace the pace of God? Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know where you are in your relationship to the Lord today. But I do know this. This is what God's pace says. With regard to salvation, now is the appointed time. You're going to be tempted to wait on that. You're going to be tempted to procrastinate with regard to salvation. But it's my firm belief that once you've heard the word of God, when conviction has come, that is the time when you need to trust in Jesus Christ. You need to give your heart and life.
to Jesus Christ. So I want to challenge you to do that today. I want to challenge you to trust in Jesus Christ today. If you've never done that, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to trust in Him for salvation. God has spoken to you about something in your life. You probably have some area of conviction you're needing to deal with, something that's, that's going on. And, and the time is not to procrastinate. It's time to respond. Or maybe you just need to decide when it comes to the Lord, Lord, I'm not going to put you on the clock anymore. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait for your presence to fall. I'm going to tarry until you show up because you're worth it. What about you, believer? Are you so busy that God needs to be crammed into your schedule? It's pretty sad, isn't it? That the creator of the universe has got a clock on him. God's under no obligation. He expects us to adjust. So would you embrace the pace of God today? Just a second, Cheryl's going to sing, God will make a way. He's made a way for you. So why don't you respond? Let's stand, their heads bowed and our eyes closed. I just want to lead us in prayer as we do. Father, I trust this invitation into your hands, and we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.